Do you hear the music, Alin? I do. It's brand new for it, 2022. It is brand new. It's It's got kind of this uh, crystalline music box style to it. What do you think? Right. You don't know if it's menacing or inviting. So I guess people are just, just like us. Fig- exactly. <laughs> people are going to have to figure that out on their own. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Speech, the entertainment podcast that also follows the rule of three, now with updated music. <laughs> on today's podcast, we've got uh, Henry Cavill returns as the Witcher for season two. And I did some more. Grr, like, yeah, gr- <laughs> yeah. grr, alt, the bear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've got more high fantasy with The Wheel of Time Season 1, and then we switch over to sci-fi with The Matrix Resurrections. So, Alin, how are you doing? How was your new year? It was good. It was good. It seems so long ago. Um, yeah. Spa- space and time are just really off lately. <laughs> you know? I blame COVID. Yeah. I'm- I don't know. Was it only, you know, a couple of weeks ago? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's only the 17th. We're 17 days into another year. <laughs> exactly, of 2022 from whenever, you know. Like, if I had known that 2019 was, like, the last good year, I think I would have taken advantage of it in a way that I, I think you everybody would have, yeah. I think you know? lots of things would have been done differently, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm. Well, here we are. Yeah. Again, with our, our three topics and our unlimited pop culture. Yeah, that doesn't change. The quality of our shows, consistent. No, that's right. Consistent. Heckin' yeah. So <laughs> we've got all kinds of um, good stuff for you today. And um, our new segment, the three questions to ponder, which we kind of piloted in the Christmas um, episode, right? Yes. So uh, that's become a semi-permanent fixture, at least for now. But we're going to start with our little threes, and um, we are going to begin with the Golden Globes, which I think everybody forgot was happening, including right. myself. Yes. I didn't watch it. <laughs> well, because it wasn't on. What? It wasn't on? No, it wasn't on TV. Um, I guess they what just did. did they, they just sat in a room with their I, pajamas and gave out awards. I believe, like, I don't even think anyone went. Number one, because people don't watch award shows. So they number, just stopped broadcasting them? Well, number two, COVID. Right. Number three, I haven't been following all of the drama with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, but there are, of course, allegations of of racism that oh. exist within the Hollywood Foreign Press, which I guess is like 100% white. Oh. Uh, so a lot of the diversity that we saw with the Emmys is lacking with the Hollywood Forum Press and people are getting sick of it because they just keep mm. doing doing the same things over and over again. Okay. So I mean I, I I'm looking at the um the nominees now and I'm I'm I can kind of see can kind of see what you what you're saying here. Because one of the big shows and I haven't watched it um is I May Destroy You, which is on HBO Max. It's supposed to be a tremendous show. I have personally not been able to watch it. It's the, it stars Michaela Cole. Uh, she's a, I believe she's a British comedian. I haven't been able to watch it because from what I hear, it centers on oh, her journey as she figures out like that she was the, the victim of a rape. Oh. And I guess it's slightly graphic. And I, I'm not at that point where I can enjoy that 
not enjoy, but I don't like watching things like that. Yeah, me neither. This is the whole reason why neither of us is going to watch The Last Duel, but apparently Ridley Scott thinks it's because of our cell phones. Yes. Not yes. because the entire movie hinges on a horrible rape, which apparently they show in graphic detail more yeah, than Yeah, I don't, I don't need to see that. No. Like, I don't know what kind of person you have to be to be like, I just made an incredibly dramatic and traumatic movie about a horrible rape. And it failed horribly at the box office. But the problem is those damn millennials and their cell phones, not yeah. the content of my traumatic piece, the the, the cell phones. Like, what, no. what world are you living on? Exactly. Because this show, I May Destroy You, is is popular. It's popular with critics. I And I don't want to put words. I think it may have been a, like a real life incident that okay. she channeled into. Um, That's rough. Right. So I, 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 like I said, I could be 100% wrong, but mm -hmm. people were very upset because I guess it had an amazing year and yeah. it was nominated everywhere else, but not here. Uh -huh. But so it's kind of like if you have an award show and it's not televised, does it even really count? Yeah. You know, this is the thing, too. I was just going to ask you is at what point do they just stop handing them out? Because does it really matter? Like, if we don't care and we're not watching and the most we get out of it is a list that we can talk about the next day, why bother? Like, what are you what are you benefiting at that point? What are you doing? Right. And I think with less and less as the years have gone on, the Golden Globes used to be an indicator of Oscars, but not, yeah, so, not much. so much. They became at some point sort of like the weird progressive awards. And I remember there was a little while where I actually liked the Golden Globes more than the Oscars because they'd be more likely to award things I actually watched. Right. And because it's the only show, war show, where they're drinking alcohol on screen. So it's kind of, <laughs> they're getting a little loose. You know, they're having, they're eating. It's like prom, you know, they're eating, yeah. they're having food. Except you don't drink at prom. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, sudden, maybe you did. Yeah, but, I was yeah. going to say, ask Donna Not Martin from Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> she drank at prom and look what happened. That's what happens when you drink at prom, kids. Yeah, kids. You might, you might not graduate high school. Stop it. No drinking. That's right. Um, But no, I mean, that was, it was kind of a loose award show. It was yeah. kind of fun. People tend to not take themselves as seriously because they also had weird um, they would place weird movies in categories that you wouldn't think of. Like, they yeah, <laughs> I'm not really seeing too much of that as I'm scrolling through right no, now. Not as no. much as I used to. I mean, you've got Dune nominated for a few things, which maybe is a little like that. That seems to be about as weird as they're going at this point. Right. Because um, as well yeah. done as Dune was, I don't think I, I think it will get some technical Oscar noms, but yeah, I don't know about special effects or costume yeah those are like like sound editing i know Things, right I, those whatever that is to explain it every year and they're yeah. like sound editing means that this you know and you're like it's oh like, okay thank sure. you and then it immediately goes out your brain like mm -hmm. it's like mm, i don't need to know that but there there weren't any real surprises um i think everyone kind of knew Belfast, which I haven't seen yet, but I do want to see, is a semi-autobiographical of Kenneth Branagh growing up in Ireland during um, the quote-unquote troubles that they had with all of the, the different political wars mm -hmm. that were happening in Ireland. Mm -hmm. That's always at the top. The Power of the Dog, 
one for Which best is, picture. I maintain one of the stupidest names for a movie I've ever heard in my life. And I don't know why, but I cannot take that movie seriously because well, of the name. And they explain what it, what it is. Oh, they explain what it is, and it's like that's dumb. Okay, so I'm not off base. Fair enough. No, it's a dumb explanation, and I, I mean, I'm not gonna like ruin it for people who are going to see the movie because it is available on Netflix, so you mm-hmm. might watch it. Uh, but I didn't see it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I didn't see. Here's it. Here's one. Um, oh Young Soo won for Squid Game uh, yes. for Best Supporting Actor. That was the old man, if you guys aren't familiar with his name. But uh, that's a cool one. That's that's different. That is very cool. I I was surprised. Um, and we'll talk a little bit later about Nicole Kidman and being the Ricardos. I believe I've seen all of the ladies who have nominated for Best Actress except Jessica Chastain. And I didn't think that Nicole Kidman was the best. I thought it was Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, but mm. maybe that's just because Olivia Coleman can do no wrong. I can proudly say I've not seen any of these. So <laughs> <laughs> You're like, so I'm just going to close my eyes and pick one. Yes. The only other thing that's sort of jumping out at me, aside from, you know, I see Dune on here a few times. I saw yes. Squid Game. I'm happy that Encanto won Best Animated. That's that's nice because that was super good. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yes, we will. Um, the only other thing I'm seeing is Best TV Series Drama. Um, Lupin got nominated, which is a show on Netflix that's in French, which uh, that's that's kind of off base a little bit. That's oh, a little you- bit out there. Have you watched it? I've seen some of it, but I couldn't get into it. Um, oh, okay. But it, it did seem interesting. It's basically like a kind of a the, – the guy, the main character, he's kind of like a Robin Hoody kind of character. He he doesn't necessarily rob from the rich and give to a poor, but he's he's like the thief with the heart of gold kind of thing. Okay. Um, it's very suave. It was clever. I, I wanted to like it a lot. Um I don't know if it was a culture thing. I just, you know, kind of fell off of it. Maybe I'll give it another try at some point. I've heard that it stays very consistently good into the second season. So, um, you know, anybody out there who likes that kind of stuff, you might want to check it out. Um, But it is in French. So, you know, we've had the subtitles discussion before. (laughs) Yeah, we can can do that. I mean, but the rest of them are not big surprises if you've just been watching, you know, television you know the succession television <laughs> television but like succession's been not like dominating all of the awards and the award ceremonies mostly when you're looking at these you kind of see what the up-and-coming shows are going to be because you know like you said you think of lupin well they have the morning show which is not a good show it's oh. on so it's is the that one on with, Apple? It is. It's the one with Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell. It is it is a good show if you are not looking for a good show. Like it's like almost a guilty pleasure. Uh, because you wonder how much money did they throw at these three individuals to make them do these horrible storylines. And, and that's just what, like, the first season was really good because it kind of dealt with, um, you know, the Me Too movement. And it was mm-hmm. loosely modeled on Matt Lauer and what he did on the Today Show and the fallout from that. But with each season that has been after it, it's just more and more ridiculous. Huh. Like, I don't know what they're doing. So when I tune in, I literally do not know what is going to happen. 
That doesn't sound like it's a good surprise. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, okay. Like it doesn't know if it wants to be a soap opera or a workplace drama mm. or, you know, a hard hitting. I don't know if you ever watched um the newsroom on HBO. I, it had Jeff Daniels. I, I haven't, but I'm I'm I actually know exactly what you're talking about. Right. So it's not sure what it, it could be that if it wanted to, but it's not. It's more drama. Mm. And throughout the entire uh, season that just played, the coronavirus was sort of skirting around the edges. Yeah, it's really affected a lot of stuff. We know it affected um, Wheel of Time quite significantly when Mm -hmm. we get to that. I mean, it's just at this point, it's just tiresome. Looking right. so and, many, so many ways. And they chose, and this is what I don't get, is the writers and, you know, showrunners of the morning show chose to do a time leap backwards into the coronavirus. So With you're the start wa- of it? Yeah. So you're doing like, you're watching it and it's late 2021, I believe, when it came out. And they jump back to 2019. So they're like showing you're watching it and they're like, and there's a strange virus being reported in Wuhan, China. And it's just kind of like, you know, we just lived through this. It's very, very much still in my memory. Like, I don't exactly. So I don't think I'm ready for the entertainment aspect of it yet. Yeah. And that's why, like, because it's obviously it's it's a morning show. So there's a lot of you know, different uh, news pieces that are being created. But there's always like, should we should we add this coronavirus? No, no, no. Well, let's send a reporter there. And it's like, why are you making these choices? And then they literally just did it. So Jennifer Aniston could get COVID on the show and then just use it as a platform to show how horrible COVID is. Oh, geez. So, sorry, I got way off base. Yeah, so long story short, the Golden Globes suck. They should probably die. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, except for I, I appreciate their television categories because yeah, you nobody have... really kind of does that. Right. I mean, you don't get that with um the Oscars or anything. I mean, no. I guess it's just you have the Oscars and you have the Emmys and then the Golden Globes was the one that did both. Right. And you got to see your favorite television people along with your favorite movie stars. Mm-hmm. So but if I you're mean... not going to air it and nobody's going to watch it. Why there do does it? seem to be a little bit of a justify your existence for me kind of thing. And and from what I've heard and read, the actors don't even appreciate it. They appreciate like the Screen Actors Guild Awards more because it's coming from their own peers. Rather than so, the Hollywood Foreign Press. Exactly. So you'll see them mm-hmm. being more, you know, evocative about that. But I mean, like we were talking about TV, um, everything we've talked about got uh, nominated and and one i mean you you had succession you also had hacks you had mayor of east town win kate winslet winning you had michael keaton for dope sick so i felt like we did a really good job with the television aspect of it the movies i think they struggled to fill some of the slots but we'll see what happens uh tell we've talked about this before television seems to be better than movies lately like there's it's it's a weird kind of thing other than say Spider-Man which is breaking all kinds of records still and is now I think the most popular movie ever in Mexico like the most Oh wow. Yeah like it made the most money ever in certain places um but you know the movie the movie industry is it's been it seems like it's been a little rough 
Um, you know, but TV is just kind of fallen into that gap, you know, to fill that space because we can all stay home and watch really good TV. So anyway, and, uh, I don't know. And as, as, as a joke, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, I was no, going to say, gonna segue. So why don't you go ahead? All right. So my one joke was uh, Saturday Night Live was new over the past weekend. And they're blaming the uh, <laughs> Omicron virus on the fact that everyone went to see Spider-Man. So people need to stop seeing Spider-Man because it was like <laughs> December 17th was when it came out. It was like a week later. Everyone had Omicron. Stop uh-huh. going to see Spider-Man. Mm. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, that's but, cute. Um, yeah. And as cute as it can be at this point. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know what else we can do? What I was going to say, what else we can do while we're home? We can watch great TV. We can also play video games. Correct. So. I have for our second little three, a Game Pass update. Now, part of the reason why I'm doing a Game Pass update again is because Game, Ca- Game Pass is still consistently awesome. <laughs> I just can't <laughs> stop talking about how good this is. It's like nine bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. And you just anyway, just get it, please. Uh, if you don't have it yet. Um, there are 13 games being released in January. Like six of them are on my birthday. And Ooh. that's because I say such nice things about Game Pass. It's true. They he- they're they hearing us. They're mm-hmm. liking what we're saying. And yep. they're trying to give us more stuff to talk about. Yes. One of the games getting released on my birthday is called Paparazzi, which is like Pokemon Snap with puppies. Mm-hmm. So I will be playing the heck out of it <laughs> this week. <laughs> Um, but I did want to give just like a Game Pass update for 2022. And I know a lot of this stuff might kind of go over your head, um, Alin, but they've done some stuff where they basically said, like, look, here's here's what's already on tap for this year. And when you go through and kind of look at the list of what's coming out, like already confirmed for 2022, we're talking about probably a thousand dollars worth of games or more. Um, that you will get for $120 a year. You know, it's easily a lot of money that you will save by being able to play these, you know, through Game Pass. Some of the things that I'm kind of really looking forward to, um, definitely Paparazzi. They're also releasing the Hitman trilogy on my birthday. The Hitman games are really popular. There's three Is of them. Is that the Timothy Oliphant movie? Mm, I don't no? know. The Hitman okay. games involve this like bald-looking guy with a barcode on the back of his head. Yeah, that's the movies. Is I it? didn't watch. I didn't watch them, but yeah, they, I don't. Rem- I think they came out in the 2000s. Wow. Well. Okay. Still in a series of games that are quite popular. I've never played any of them, but I'm totally gonna do it now because they'll all be on Game Pass. There's also a game called Weird West, which I'm. It's like an old Western game that I'm very much looking forward to. Um. One of my favorite games from a few years ago was called A Plague Tale. I know this sounds awful, but this is pre-COVID. Um, it was like a, based on the kind of the bubonic plague in oh. France. And it was just like swarms of rats everywhere. Um, they're making a sequel to that game. And I know it sounds really bizarre, but I'm super excited because the first one had such a good story to it. Um, a couple other things that I'm looking forward to. Something called Frog Detective very much is, is it literally just a frog who is a detective yes, oh, yes it is. okay all right absolutely um i played a fun game called slime rancher and slime rancher 2 is coming out so that's super fun um and i want to say um i think starfield is coming out this year starfield is a really big um space kind of 
role playing game that's been kind of on the back burner for a long time because it kept getting delayed and kept getting delayed. I believe it's finally going to come out this year and that should be that should be kind of a game changer. Hopefully it'll be a kind of an event. Um, so and I didn't even like touch on this list. I mean, there's probably 45 or 50 things on this list that you can kind of look at for 2022. And this is just kind of when you're looking at the list, it's basically all that they've really confirmed right now is January. Like here's the games that we know are coming out in January. They have right now three listed for February, but they will add more, you know, like they, they add more in the moment. So everything here is going to just increase exponentially. So if you have an Xbox or a PC, you can get um, Game Pass for your Xbox or you can get um, PC Game Pass, which is actually cheaper. Um, but you know what? If you don't have an Xbox, you should just get one. You're a grown adult. <laughs> Make your decisions. There are other there are other features, right? You can you can if these kids play. Do they know what DVDs are? You can play a DVD on it, can't you? Xbox. Um, yes, you can. Blu-rays. Okay. Blu-rays. Uh, yeah. And what we use it for is our cable box. I mean, we've got Netflix on there, Prime. There's a Twitch app. Um, I mean, we all of our apps are on there. We watch all of our TV through our Xbox. It's our. See, cable I'm just box. trying to. I'm just trying to upsell it here. In case, right. in case In case Xbox, Microsoft wants to release another six games on my birthday. <laughs> yeah. Or if they want to give us like new Xboxes Money? just for you know talking about it. Like I open I know, my right? door and I'm like, oh, an Xbox. Yeah. Why not? I I. I bet you would play paparazzi and I'm sure I could find other things for you on game pass. There is a game called pigeon simulator coming out. If you would like to be a pigeon. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) You might, you might enjoy the frog detective. So anyway, um, it's, it's a good time right now and, um, only going to get better. So I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that they need to get game pass for 2022. Now, switching to a little bit more of a serious topic, um, as probably all of you know, we've had some unfortunate um, celebrities passing away recently, and we thought we would do a little bit, just not 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 to bring down the room entirely, but just a little bit of a celebrity tribute, more just kind of celebrating their life than anything else. And uh, I know Alain wanted to talk about Betty White and um, and animals. So if you want to yes. talk to us about our celebrities and and uh, what they did for us, Alain. So if you if, today the the day that we're recording is uh, January seventeenth, which would have been Betty White's hundredth birthday, and I there's a been a big uh, they're calling it the Betty White Challenge, and it's donating five dollars to a local uh, pet animal rescue or even to a, a local zoo. Because Betty White adored animals, and that's just one of the many reasons she was such an amazing person. And I think it's just, um, it was sad because the she was so close to 100. Um, that I think that yeah. was the toughest, the toughest thing. And she had like a birthday extravaganza planned. There would have been a, a primetime event. She had, had set it up. And I think. Are they still having it? I don't know if they are. I mean, I feel like they kind of should. Like, just they could probably. It's like a celebration of her. It could be a celebration of her life. Yeah, why not? Go for it. So I, I, I guess what they're doing. Oh, there is they there. There is a celebration movie. There is a tribute movie, but it's going to be on the big screen. Um, oh. So I guess they're repurposing it. 
to, you know, to make money. That's great. Well, yeah, no, I, it says like, you know, she was going to, um, they re to kind of end it in a different way. Um, so it's saying that there's, oh, there's only a handful. Like it's really in LA that they're playing it. Oh, I see. Um, I see. Okay. But you know, a, a lot of people are, um, you know, a lot of people are donating. So if you would like to donate, go do that. Do that in any time. Um, doesn't have to be Betty White's birthday to do it. But if you also, can, yeah, yeah. If you Google Betty White today, there's a a nice surprise. Uh, oh yeah, they I, have like a special thing on Google for her. Yeah, yeah, for her. And for me, it was just sad because I remember growing up. Uh, I didn't appreciate the Golden Girls as much as I appreciate them now. Uh, probably because I was like four to eleven when, I know. when the entire I think a lot series. of people are in that that same kind of boat. Like they they picked up the Golden Girl uh, uh, Golden Girls later. Um, right. And and interestingly enough, it was a fairly progressive show for its time. It like they was. tried to tackle racism and different things. And yeah, it. It's definitely a cultural icon for sure. It is. And it's it's something that's on Hulu. You can watch. I believe there are seven seasons. You can watch that. And I feel like every decade she had something going on. I remember uh, remember Nick at Night. Yeah. She was. Uh, I remember watching her on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, yeah. How many times did she host SNL? Do we know that? Just just once. Just the one. Okay. Just the one. Um, and it was hilarious. Yeah, even usually. I'm familiar with that one because yeah. it's so popular. Because she was just like, do I? She goes, I don't understand why people want to see it, but they did. And I think it's just something, you know, she's been in so many movies. Like, I, I'm just thinking of like the proposal. She was, she stole that movie from mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, and she's just always been someone who's very positive. And you know, from what I hear. She was a genuinely nice person. Like you hear a lot of things about Hollywood stars yeah. and that they're not nice people, but she's, she was the real deal. Yeah. So it's Absolutely. sad, sad it to sad. see her go. But at the same time, I feel like all of us kind of wish that we could have lived a life like her life, mm-hmm. lived to be almost a hundred years old, died, you know, semi peacefully in our sleep, hopefully not in too much pain or anything like that. And, you know, be remembered and loved for, you know, another hundred years after that. Like, I feel like we all kind of hope and wish that we are that blessed. So, you know, it's sad, but it's not tragic, if you know what I mean. Right, right. And it's like, can you imagine having a career renaissance in your 80s, which is exactly what she did? Yeah. I feel like a Bob Saget is a little bit more tragic because he was much younger. He was only 65. Mm Mm-hmm. And I say that because, like, you know, growing up, 65 seems so old. And right. now it, it's not. It doesn't My, seem. You know, our parents are probably older than that. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think there's been a cause of death for him yet. Uh, he just. Yeah. There's no evidence of foul play. Um, no drugs were found in his system. I think just regular prescription medication. Which yeah. It can get dangerous for people. But, you know. We don't know anything, so. I mean, he was America's dad. Yeah. Every Friday night, and I know, you know, pre-internet, everyone would post. Uh, he hosted America's Funniest Home Videos, and that That's was what I thing. remember him the most from. 
Yeah, that was a thing. People would send in videos that they took and we would just watch people do embarrassing things on video yep. and we would laugh at them and then vote. Yep. Which was the funniest. And he it was brilliant. Yeah. That, I mean, it's still on from what I understand. Yeah, in syndication, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it was that combo plus him playing uh, Danny Tanner on Fall so House. House. Yeah. And the other thing that, you know, it's just heartbreaking is obviously Full House exists uh, on Netflix now and they've rebooted it and whatnot. But I read that everyone from Full House went to the funeral. Like they were a close knit. They were still John Stamos and Dave Coulier were pallbearers at the funeral. Mm. Like these were, you know, his real friends, not just like co-workers or, you know. Like, you want to pretend that the people that you see on your favorite TV shows are friends in real life. But in this case, it was. Yeah. They always say that it is. But then later on, you hear all this stuff come out. And you're like, "Uh oh, (laughs) I couldn't I couldn't work with him. I refuse to sit next to him. We couldn't do scenes together. But I mean, he's another person. um, I haven't watched any of his comedy shows. You know, I hear he's the anti Danny Tanner. In his I comedy heard they were shows. fairly raunchy, though, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. He's like, because the whole thing was Danny Tanner was this, you know, almost OCD. He loved to clean and he loved to take care of his daughters. And he he did like he I think he created dad jokes. Basically, he was that kind of that yeah. was his humor on the show. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just I think that one was more shocking because he was he was so young. Right. Um, and we'd be remiss to also not mention Sidney Poitier, uh, who who died. Um, and his, just his, you you forget how much of his legacy exists in Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. You know, guess who's coming to dinner in the heat of the night? I, you know, these are obviously for anyone out there who hasn't seen these movies, go back and watch them. They they do hold up and. It's he was in his 90s, I believe it was 94, but it's still, you know, this let's have some good things happen at the beginning of this year. Right. One after the next after the next. It's just I mean, I mean, Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet broke up. I know. And now I'm hearing all these crud rumors about why they broke up and was Amber Heard involved and all these different things. And I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. Like Amber Heard. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't either. Yeah, that's a we could do a whole other show on her. But yeah, it's just yeah. like it's just like, you know what? I don't need Machine Gun Kelly and uh, Megan Fox to be relationship goals. Like it's like I don't want to hear that they're engaged. I want to hear that Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet are happy. And I imagine living in Hawaii with all their beautiful children. But no. And all I their just, long flowing hair. Yeah. Can you can you imagine what that tub must look like? I know. Right. Or the vacuum. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, 2022, get it together. Yeah, seriously. What the heck? Yeah, that's Let's, what we have. Right. You that's know what? what? Do you know what's a good palate cleanser for this? Is it? Henry Cavill. I was going to say Henry Cavill. <laughs> Can I yeah. just say, like, where was my bathtub scene this this season? Oh, I know, right? I mean, Marvel always makes it a point to have their leading men half naked in everything, right? right. They, they, At least they, that is for the women who are going to these movies. They say, women... We appreciate you. Here's a shirtless scene. Enjoy. And it happens 
every single movie. Even oh. Spider-Man gets shirtless for the little tweens who are in love they with love him. Tom Holland. I, they do. I can see it. Like, if I had a son, I'd want him to be Tom Holland. Like, he's right. adorable. Absolutely. But, yeah, I, I definitely needed – I needed – Henry Cavill to channel his inner Tom Ellis in Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's, that was the level of nudity that I needed. Yeah, no, I th- I think I completely agree with that. I, you know, oh, and you know, I would think that if I was a movie star with a great body, those are adding two separate elements. Um, I don't really- <laughs> Yeah, I, it's like, I, wait a minute, I don't have yeah. either of those. I'm, no, I'm 0 for like, 2. These are, these are, so 0 for 2, but if I had those two combined, mm-hmm. and like, let's say I get to Betty White age, I'd want to mm. look back on what I look like. Yeah. So put it on the screen. That's I know, all. Henry, I know that you're a good guy, and you're modest, and you're a gamer, and you probably have Game Pass, but... <laughs> Yeah, but it's just for us, you know, just a little more, just for us. Yeah, that's all I'm asking for. But that I being mean, said, um, I I did still enjoy season two. Um, I know that there were a lot of complaints this season about yes. how they went away from the source material, and I understand these complaints. Um, you know, the part of the the uh, two of the big issues that I that I saw, and I and I read a little bit about these later, were the first one was Eskel. In um, the books and even in the games, that's his quote unquote brother, right? Yes. Another Witcher. And this was in the show. He was the one who was attacked by the Leshen and kind of became a Leshen um, and then had to be killed. Yes. Um, They call him the Leshies, but uh, that's a kind of slang term, I guess. But. Oh, cat wants to get on my lap. So. Uh um, Yep. So it's happening. I I was going to say I also read. About the issues with this particular character. I, From what I read, all of the complaints with this season are by the gamers. Yeah, and the no, pe- and I think that's just because the games are just so good. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I have a new computer coming on Tuesday. Woo! Ooh. And, you know, it is a beast. It's I, Isn't I, it like you just get excited when you get a new computer? I, I actually get really anxiety because I just really need it to start. Like. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, God, I'm going to hit the power button. Oh, God, Jesus, save me. (laughs) (laughs) But after it starts and, like, Windows actually boots and the lights are working and the fans are on and it's cooling and it's not overheating and, you know, things are actually functioning the way they should be, there's, like, the most giant sigh of relief ever. And then the first thing I'm probably going to download is The Witcher to replay it because I'm just (laughs) all in right now. But, yeah, Eskel was a big problem. And then the other, like, main complaint that, you know, I kept reading about was, you know, Yen's character. Because uh, Yennefer is, she's sort of like a mother to Ciri. And we have a couple issues going on here. And the first issue is that Ina Chalatra, I'm not sure if I'm saying. Yeah, just do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Maybe Anya. But but she's not old enough. (laughs) She's... (laughs) She needs to be a little bit older to to basically be Yennefer. And then, you know, the the character of Yen is is this sort of motherly figure to Siri. She teaches her how to control her magic. She she protects her. She does not sell her out to um the witch in the woods, basically. And that was a big problem with this season. They basically tried to justify it by saying that Yen came around at the end of the season, like she didn't realize 
how wonderful Siri was and how important Siri would be to her and to everyone. And she definitely tried to turn it around by the end of the season, but that was a huge complaint that that would that never happened in the books. And it kind of made you like dislike Yen a little bit and nobody ever dislikes Yen. Like she's the best. It See, it made me disappointed because I was so invested in her character development in season one. And in season two, she turning backwards. From, yeah, she went backwards. And it's yeah. like, it was something where her entire life was like, I need to get these powers back. I wish I was able to have children. It's like, no, stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Like, you are cool. Like, if I was friends with her, I'd be like, you don't need to have kids. Do you understand how awesome that you are? Why yeah. do you have to fall into the tropes that yeah. every single thing, like, like, I guess this is maybe I'm just speaking my own, <laughs> but it's like you don't have to have children to be a whole person. No, you do not. And speaking from not, experience, yeah, both the two of us. Yes, you know? exactly. So it kind of feels like they were making her incomplete, and I, I just had difficulty with that because she's such a, a cool character, and yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, everybody pretty much agrees with you, including the internet, maybe for different reasons, but definitely that character was the one that got sort of butchered mm-hmm. um, and and needed to be more like the books or the games. Um, even Henry, you know, he's so he's so sweet and kind, but like even getting interviewed after this season was over, he was like, well... I'm kind of hoping we can bring it back around to the source material a bit more for season three. And that was like in his, his way of complaining in his, <laughs> you, know? you know, in his British way. Like they don't, really, I'm not going to try to imitate. No, it I can't. I can't even do a British accent unless we're going accent. like, cheerio governor. Like that's yeah, it. Right. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's all we got. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was uh, disappointed with Yennefer. Um, I thought we would have seen more. I guess you're going to hear like all of my um, issues with everything we talk about today are from my own uh, expectations of of television series. This season needed to be longer. I I said that about the first season, too. Right. They're just it felt rushed. The first season felt rushed. This season felt rushed. Everything felt rushed. Yeah. Um, I just needed it to be longer. Um, I understand that they were trying to adapt. The book that they were trying to adapt at this point was called The Blood of Elves. And um, they got a lot of the elfy stuff, you know, f- fairly well, decently well. They got a lot of the conflict between the people and the elves well. Like, you you understood what the elves wanted, what the people wanted. The elves were technically there first. Um, it was their land. They shared it with people and got screwed. Yeah, um, I like I like that aspect of yeah, it. But it, that was I, all done pretty well. Yeah, and um, what I was gonna say is I expected, and this is just me, that that um, you know, Geralt and Siri would go. I'm gonna mispronounce it. Cal Morin. Care Morin. Yeah. Care Morin, and they would train like that would be the season, like. Like a big I felt, montage? Yeah, well, no, I just felt like you introduce all, you introduce where Geralt comes from. You introduce. Kaer Morin is really, it, that's a very important place in both the books and the games. Weirdly, Kaer Morin looked identical to what it looks like in the games. It oh, actually cool. blew my mind. When I saw it on the show, I was like, holy crap, I've been here before. <laughs> 
but I just felt like there was a richness that wasn't explored yeah. there because, I mean, you obviously got it with Vesemir. And I kind of that knew Vesemir. That character was also screwed up, though, because Vesemir would have never, in the books or the games, tried to use Siri to bring back the make the Witcher stuff. Oh. Like, that, that made me mad because Vesemir is like everybody's dad in this. He's the Bob Saget of the Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, and I know, and I know he's like, I, I knew he was important only because the actor who plays him, uh, Kim Bodnia, he's in Killing Eve, mm. and he's like listed after Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh. So he's a big deal. So mm-hmm. I knew seeing him, it was important. But I just thought there would be more of a focus of. You know, all of his brothers and, yeah, and that, that was that was unfortunate like because they actually do that stuff even in the games there are times when you're at Care Morin playing drinking games with Eskel and Lambert and telling stories of monsters that you guys have killed in the past and it's really like endearing um you know to to see that kind of stuff and to see that character development and they they not only glossed over it, but they kind of stepped on it a little bit. They stepped mm-hmm. on it a lot with Eskel. They stepped on it with Vesemir. Um, they tried to kind of get some of the stuff in there, like when Triss comes, you know, to help. They The witchers do have, you know, decent relationships with some of the the sorceresses. And Triss and Yen do come to care more. And, and, you know, that stuff is all fine. But it's just, like you say, I needed a couple episodes where she was training more, training with the other witchers, and just more endearing, less you're a girl and therefore you can't do anything. Because, oh, God, is that old at this point? Well, and I know, and they're all just, like, laughing at her. It's like, really? She's a child. Yeah. <laughs> what is she, 13? Come yeah, on, people. Good for, good for you. Yeah, good what are you, you witchers, like, 600 years old at this point? I think exactly. it's about time to grow up a little bit. And <laughs> And it's just sad because none of that really happened in – the books and well I you know I can't say for certain in the books because I didn't read all of them but from I did play the games and none of it happened in the games that's for sure so um everybody loves Siri that was that was like everybody's collective daughter you know Mm -hmm. and when the wild hunt comes after her it's everybody's fight um but it's also Siri's fight and in the games, you actually get to play as her for a little while and she's a she's a bad a I mean she's She's not a, she's no slouch. So, um, I don't know. She, they, they, they're, they're committed to at least one more season. And I hate to say that I hope they turn it around because that would imply that I didn't like this season. There was a lot of stuff that I really, really liked. I really liked how Yaskier was basically like a dumped girlfriend in the whole season. It was so funny. He was so upset. And I'm like, oh, I get it. I I get it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think they're doing a decent job with the elves. I think that um, they're doing a decent job with, like, the infighting between the mages, like, with Frangella. Um, oh, that scene where she freezes everyone? Oh, yeah, that was great, wasn't that it? Was She's a, just that murdering was, them one at a time. I was and, like, oh! <gasps> and their eyes are going back. It's like, oh, yeah, you're next. Mm-hmm. You're next. That yeah. was a cool scene. Yeah. So I think they had some stuff that was, like, Really, really great. I do kind of feel like the Lambert character in this is becoming what Eskel was 
in mm. the books or the games. Um, but anyway, you know, I I think it's one of those things that kind of remains to be seen. They could pull it all together for season three and do the big showdown with the wild hunt. And it, it could be amazing. Right. Um, if Siri is on par and Yen is on par and, you know, they, they bring the witchers back to that, you know, level of camaraderie that we're used to. It, it could be fantastic, but it, it kind of sucks that we're in the position right now where I really did enjoy the season and I had fun with it. And there's a lot of stuff that's really good, but then there's also that part of me that's like, they need to, they need to pull the, pull it together, you know, and that kind of stinks that that's where we're at. No. And I mean, I felt it's like, all right, everyone, child surprise. We get it. Like everyone's just like, why did you, your child surprise? It's like, all right, all right, all right. It's yeah. That, that was big though, in both the books and the games. I know, but it was like, they just kept calling. It's like, well, no, we got it. Like we know yeah. what she is. <laughs> yeah. We get it at this point. <laughs> like, it's the one thing I remember from the previous season. So the but, other thing that I'm kind of missing is they mentioned Skellige at one point, but they don't actually go there. Skellige is huge in the games, and it's what, got a what, lot of, what's Skellige? It's sort of like the Viking area of the world. Oh. <laughs> There's woods up there. Um, they're like a seafaring people. Um, there were a bunch of memes that went around where there was like one line where uh, Geralt said to Siri, we can't go to Skellige because you'll get married off to the first prince with bad breath or something like that. But there were a bunch of memes that were going around that was like, we can't go to Skellige. We'll get distracted by all the side quests because in the game, (laughs) (laughs) you can spend a hundred hours running around Skellige alone. Um, But there is a part of me that kind of wants to go there in season three. So I am kind of hoping that happens too. But Anyway, final thoughts on The Witcher? It was, it was, you know, and I'll say this again. The problem was there had been so much time in between that yeah. it took me a little bit to to get up to date again. Um, not being someone who played the games or read the books, I had to be like, well, is that person important? When they would casually mention someone. Um mm-hmm. And I didn't realize, I'm not going to ruin it for anyone who hasn't watched it, like the the importance of the big reveal. Oh, yes. The, yes. And I knew that was coming all the way from season one because that was a... Oh, okay. That was a, re- that was a reveal in the games as well. So I was just waiting for that one to get dropped on all of us. Nobody nobody who's played the games or read the books was surprised by that. Meanwhile, I'm I, like, who is this guy and why yeah. do they keep talking about him? Yes, but the, I think they did that reveal quite well. Um, no, they did. They did. But I had to remember who it was. I think that you got some flashbacks that helped you. Yeah. Or not necessarily flashbacks, but like dream sequences. I don't know what these were, but there were sort of these like magical dream slash coma sequences <laughs> uh, that 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 showed certain actors again so that when the reveal happened, you were like, oh, that guy, you know, yeah. like he was recognizable enough. But um, but yeah, if you hadn't read the books or, or, or played the games, that was maybe like a, oh, okay. So that's where we're going with this. Right. Um, right. Yeah. All right. Should we go from slightly confusing to super confusing? Yes. <laughs> Let's see how we do with the wheel of time. Um, okay. Now, first of all, let's talk about how this is like Oh God, I meant to look up how many. I'm gonna. Do you want to look up I, how many books? I, I I actually so I did look it up um, because I wanted to know when this all started. Yeah. Uh, so there are 19 books. Holy cow! Now I from what I've so there's 19 books, but 
like summer side stories, you know, okay. like they're like, you know, 11 point book, 11.5 or book 12.5. Oh so you God. don't, you know, so you don't have to read them all to know Which what's is going good on. Because we're all going to die at some point. So, you know, no, I mean, so I'm looking books. at 19 books, technically oh, okay. 14 that are, are part of it. And then you add a few other, um, and then, unfortunately, the original author uh, passed away, and Brandon Sanderson finished it. I yes. think he just wrote one, maybe two. But because I was trying to figure out, because um, the, these books started in 1990. Okay. Wow, man, he was really prolific. Then. That's what I mean. So it's like it started in 1990, and I mean, it went. The series went until 20. I got to figure out when he died, but 2013. Robert Jordan, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I mean, that's... Because I was trying to figure out, because of what I've read, and even in my own my own notes, um, there's some Tolkien themes that Yeah, it exist. does have a, a real kind of... It's an epic Lord of the Rings kind of thing going on. Right. So I wanted to be like, which came first? Because I know, like, I had to look up and realize that Dune came before Star uh, Star Wars. So mm-hmm. who was stealing from who? But I Lord mean, of the is, Rings came before yes, this, obviously. Yes. Yes. So there's some trivia here that says the Wheel of Time book series has 2,782 named characters. Well, you know what? I should say there are there are 17. Sorry, there are 17 books, but there are two companion books. To okay. help people figure out what is going on. That's really crazy that you need like you need map books. To- well, <laughs> I mean, you could kind of see it watching the show. I was, I was confused a lot. Yeah. And I then I was confused a lot. I was like, oh, so the mages wear different colors, but what do the colors symbolize? Yeah, we actually ended up looking that up, too. Yeah. um, Because we were confused by that, too. Um, And then we were all like, okay, if I was a mage, I'd totally be blue. (laughs) I know. It's like if you had to pick one, what would you be? Um, So for those that haven't watched, it is uh, it's a story. It's a quest um, where you have the the only person who is a, a named person is Rosamund Pike. She's the only person I recognized mm-hmm. um, beyond a, the, the lady who comes in much, much later. Um, I cannot think of her name. I probably should have looked it up, but her name is Sophie Okendo and she's been in a, f- a few things. She's British. So it's like, it, there's a lot of British people in the show, but basically mm. um Rosamund Pike, you have her looking to determine who is the next dragon reborn. Because it and appears this is important because the dragon broke the, the world last the last, the last time, time he was alive. Right. Yeah. And that I will have to say was my favorite reveal of the whole series was what the world was like before the dragon broke it. Right. Because you got this flashback that I think was really elucidating and just kind of like, whoa, this is what the world looked like before the dragon broke. It It was basically Star Trek, you know, Um, and to to realize that he basically threw them back into the Stone Age Mm -hmm. and they had been trying to recover ever since. Um, But you have these these women known as the Aes Sedai who are mages 
And the men cannot be Aes Sedai, although they could have been back when the first dragon was alive. There was a whole clan of men Aes Sedai. But the dragon, as part of breaking the world, made it so that if men use magic, they will go insane. So any man who can channel is 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 basically like neutered. <laughs> and I don't know how else to describe it, but they no, get that, cut I mean, off. Just, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And um so that they don't go mad and go crazy and kill a bunch of people. And so you're kind of you're 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 at the beginning of this show. You're in episode one and you've got female mages, but no male mages for a reason that you don't know why. Why did the mm-hmm. dragon decide that men couldn't use magic anymore? I don't know. You've got this dark one who controls these weird looking troll beasts. Um, don't know who that is. Don't know why. Don't know why I should care yet. And then you've got all of these people in this idyllic little village where this Aes Sedai woman named Moraine and her guardian, I guess. What they had a word for that. Um, it's um. it's le- leaving me right now. But she's got like this protector who's bonded to her, who's Daniel Henney and his name is Lan. And they kind of go, they're traveling around trying to find this person, this reborn dragon. And the reason why they know that the dragon exists is because of the wheel, which is essentially like the afterlife where souls go and they go through a turn of the wheel. Yeah. And then they come back out into a new body. Woo. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, all right. So you've got that. And then now uh, Rosamund Pike's character, Moraine, she finds these five people in this village who could potentially be the dragon. And she's confused because the dragon was just supposed to be one person. But now it could potentially be one of these five or what I think is more interesting, all five. They mentioned that the wheel could have split the dragon's soul into five people. And... There's a part of me who thinks that that's actually what's going on here, but I don't know. I haven't read the books. Um, They've done some definite, not just minor changes from the books, but like major, major changes from the books. And according to people who have read the books that I've spoken to, some of them were quite welcome and then some of them were horrible. Um, Mm. A few that were quite welcome, uh, the characters were all aged up. So in the books, these yes. are kids. Yeah, that's And right. yeah, like Rand and Egwene are like cute puppy love crushes. That's, yeah, that's they're yeah. kind of flirting with each other. But it's like, no, they're in a relationship. Right, here. exactly. Um, Perrin definitely wasn't married. Um, Matt's not even old enough to have kissed a girl. Uh, you know, so it's like they, they age all of these guys up basically because Nanive was older in the books she was 25 in the books and they basically want to put them all on equal footing so they aged everyone else up to Nanive's age so that they were a little bit more equal and I think that was good a good choice no and I think I I've read that since 2004 this has kind of been in development like Mm -hmm. who's going to develop this how are they going to develop it and I think if you kept the the protagonists at that age you undercut who your audience is because it might be deemed as something geared for kids. That's true. You know? So, I mean, but if you have like these adults, 
they're already like fully formed. You're not going to be something concerned when there's like, you know, a love scene or whatever. But if you see it's like a bunch of 12 and 13 year olds, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to watch this. I don't want to watch a bunch of kids try yeah. to figure out. And I mean, this is a, a really heavy, really gory series. Like there's, oh, yeah. I mean, if these guys were all 13, we, it would be a lot more disturbing than it already is. I mean, it's pretty darn disturbing at times. There were, I, I have a big problem with intestines on screen and there was a fair number of intestines going on and it was, it was, it was look away territory for this. It yeah. was real gory. Um, They, they handled other things not quite so well. Um. So Perrin being aged up and being married at the beginning meant that they had to have him, his wife die so that he could go on this adventure with the rest of them. But instead of like the trolls killing his wife, they had Perrin murder his wife accidentally. Now the showrunner said this is because Perrin has this like animalistic rage inside of him and they wanted to demonstrate that it had already existed at this time. That is a real stupid way to demonstrate that. No, he has, I mean, it is. It, yeah, this it's, is this is what's known as fridging. I don't know if you're familiar with this term, Olin. Um, it's used in video games a lot when the oh. protagonist's wife or girlfriend is killed at the beginning of a video game in order to motivate them to do something. It is the worst trope in the book. Um, don't do it. Just stop. Perrin did not need to have a wife or kill her in order for this book series to happen or this show series to happen yeah that I was see bad. see I took it and without reading that article I just took it as like he felt guilt for what he did and then I didn't see it as an animalistic rage he's the incident. one who controls the wolves yeah yeah so, so it's like I didn't I took it as a mistake in the heat of battle like it wasn't like he's so angry and raging like no it was right near her the thing was right near her. So it's not like he was just killing and swinging and trying to hit anything that moved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I get it. I get that interpretation. Um, I like your interpretation better, but it didn't it didn't work for me. Yeah. Well, ne- like neither explanation really works. And then no. he's like, he's like really in love. You know, it's like, give me a break. Um, although I did. I think my favorites, one of my favorite scenes from the whole show was when they showed Rand's mother, the redhead who was pregnant and fighting that the war. That was, I thought I was Holy. on the wrong show. Wow. I, that was mind blowing, that whole scene. And then you end up seeing Rand's, you know, adopted father, like save her at, well, she dies, but you know, save yeah. him, I guess at the end. I, I That whole scene was some of the best that Some of the best really, storytelling. Yeah, no, it was, it was. It was. Because I was like, I remember I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm not sure this is the right show. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, it is. And I was like, well, let's just watch this. It was doing a Nevers thing for a moment there. <laughs> <laughs> um, But, you know, some of the, the other things is... Let's see. Um, According to um some of the things that I've read and people I've talked to, there are um, more Aes Sedai kind of like everywhere in the show, um, whereas in the books they seem to be either a lot more spread out and or a lot more rare. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so there seem to be more of these women, you know, kind of all over the place. And the, uh, the pacing is very fast, which they probably had to do for a show, right? They're trying to get through one book a season here, so they had to really pick it up. Although I, I have been told that in order to help with the storytelling elements, they pulled in some things from books two and three, like little things here and there just to help with the storytelling. Um, but there's definitely more Aes Sedai, and then the magic is very much uh, changed, especially the healing. Um, so what the one person I talked to, which is Deb, she's listening. Hi, Deb said that she wasn't a big, she wasn't a big fan of how healing was handled in the show because in the books, it was very difficult and very rare to heal someone with magic. And yet you see, see basically, um, I think it was Egwene bring Neneve back from the dead just by crying on her towards the end there. And, um, you know, that was really convenient, like real convenient. Um, And that that apparently is just not how healing works in the books. And so that was, I think, a frustration for some people who are book fans. Um, and, And even for me, who had not read the books, that seemed not a fantastic storytelling element, you know, super convenient. Um, other than that, there were some things that I, I really liked. I liked the idea of the bonding between the Aes Sedai and their, is it warders, wardens? I'm, Warder. I think it's warders. Yeah, I like that idea. It reminds me of a video game called Dragon Age where there are mages and also guardians um, to keep an eye on them. Although in that game, the guardians also will kill the mages if they go out of, out of control and crazy, where this seems more of like a loving relationship, which I thought that was kind of nice um, and very interesting, very unique. Um, I didn't like how Lan's, I don't know if Lan's character which is Moraine's warder. I don't know if he had a relationship with I was going to ask you that. Yes, I don't know if that existed in the book. To me, that didn't work in the show at all because of that age difference is like 16 years. (laughs) There was no chemistry. It was That's what I mean. There was, like, I didn't buy it on so many levels, but I didn't feel like there was any sort of, like, affection or interest in the other. Like, I just didn't feel it. It felt very forced extremely so yeah so I I mean I was just like okay sure yeah so that didn't work um uh let's see I I thought the special effects and the world building the the beauty was unreal you could tell that they threw massive amounts of money at this it was beautiful 90 million Um, Nine, wow. Yeah. $90 million. You saw every penny of that reflected in, oh my God, the costumes. Yes. I was drooling over the Aes Sedai, like traditional looking costumes when they were all in that round chamber with the, the But I the, like how you could, you could change it up too. Cause they all didn't dress alike. It was like, oh, you just kind of have to choose like a pattern. That yes. Has the, you, you've got your color. color. Yeah. yeah, you've got your color, but you don't have to necessarily all wear the same style. And right. I liked that aspect. Of yeah, it. I really liked that, too. And um, I was just already like Googling, where can I get Moraine's outfits? You know, <laughs> like, please, <laughs> I really, really want them. Um, I also thought it was really kind of cool how Moraine had a relationship with that the head of the Aes Sedai that's there. Who, that's who I was talking about. That's Sophie, o- Sophie Okendo. So that was somebody else that you knew of in, in yes. 
yes. She was mm-hmm. in um I you probably didn't watch it, no one did. On um Netflix, uh Ratchet. The, it was based on Nurse oh, Ratchet. Oh, Nurse Ratchet. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was in that and she's been in other stuff too. I can't think of it, but I'm just like that was her most recent thing that she did. Yes, I like that. I also I like the beginning. I want to know more about her. I don't know if she's ever fleshed out. Yeah, they did like a real interesting little mini flashback to her as a child. Right. And it was, yeah, it was real. It was, that was really well done. Their flashbacks were on point for this. Right. And then, you know, they fast forward, let's just say 30 years. And it's like, right. well, where was she? How did she survive? Yeah. And 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 climb her way up to the head of the Aes Sedai, the, mm-hmm. the Amerlin seat or something like that. Sure. But yeah, I, I, I thought that was really interesting how Moraine had to basically pretend to be punished by her and then go and visit her at night when nobody else could know that they were a couple. But the only person who knew they were a couple was Lan, right. the warder, because he knows everything about her. And I just I love that that aspect of their relationships I thought it was really well done um but yes ultimately I really enjoyed this it it made my you know best of the year because it was just so beautiful and there was so much of it that was really well done but ultimately I did find that I probably needed like 10 more episodes to be less confused (laughs) no and I I never say this I felt like there should have been more episodes there were only eight there could have been 10 easily 10 to 12 like yeah and the other thing that I don't like and I didn't find this out until later is apparently there was a whole slew of information that Amazon released on something called x-ray but you can only see the x-ray stuff if you're on a computer or a mobile device if you're watching on your tv none of this stuff pops up but apparently there's all this like there's maps and background information and explanations and all this stuff that they sort of like ferreted away why would you do that tack it on to the end of the episode like game of thrones used to do like that was the one thing game of thrones did right like let's (laughs) no i mean because i've seen so i've seen x-ray before on when I watched it on TV, it's almost like you can link to IMDB while right. you're, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that you had to be on a mobile device to watch all these videos and things. I, I still want to go back and watch them um, and, and see if they help flesh out the world a little bit for me and, 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 and some of that confusion. I've been told that they're really good. In fact, Deb told me that they were very helpful and I just feel like, you got to make that stuff more convenient for people, you know, like at the end of each episode, would you like to watch this stuff? You know, like just have it pop right up. I'm going to be like, heck and yeah, I'm already sitting here on my lazy butt. Bring up the stuff. You know? <laughs> and I mean, I think that's my, was my issue with it is there was so much world building, but it was still so confusing to me yeah. that I felt like I needed more of an explanation. Mm-hmm. And I get that these, you know, there's dozens of books and you try to make something as accessible as possible to a new audience. Right. I, like I did. I mean, I like Rosamund Pike. I wish she was more famous than she is because she does amazing work. Um, yeah. if, for anyone who has Netflix, watch I Care A Lot on there. It's a movie that she's in. Uh, I loved and, her in this. I, I thought she yeah. was amazing. She really carried it for me. You know, yeah. she because she re- I, I wasn't a huge fan of a lot of the actors and actresses that the kids were playing. Like I... They they didn't really grab me as yeah. much as she did, but like her character and some of the other Aes Sedai were just so interesting and well done that 
that's what really pulled me through. Especially and got me. that that late, the one, the red eye Sedai, she was oh, frightening. Man. Didn't she look a little bit like Lucy Lawless? I thought she was Lucy Lawless with she, a blonde wig at first. She, she could be like if Lucy Lawless was like way more angular. Like yeah. I had to look, I looked up at her picture. I was like, no, that's her face. Yeah, like, no, because it's... it was just like so angular mm-hmm. and she played such a cold character Yeah, that it was like, you feel like you could literally get cut by her. Um, right. Like just her looking at you. Just, yeah. You need stitches. So I was like, I was more interested in like I had said to you, I thought, once again, a Lynn's misunderstanding of things. I pictured this as being like, uh, based on the description, you know, a mage assembles five individuals to determine which is the dragon reborn. It's like, oh, this is going to be like Hogwarts. Like they're going to go to the White City and they're going to undergo all these different sorts of, you know, trials and figure out who is the dragon reborn, which is not what the show is. <laughs> like, yeah. So it was just, you know, that was my expectation of it. And then watching it, I was trying to figure out, you know, who was who. I really wanted Perrin to close his mouth. I felt like that character's jaw was constantly open. Like, just like, yeah. close, your, close your mouth. Um, flies are going in. Yeah, yeah, it was just something where I, you know, like, like you said, Rosamund Pike, if she wasn't there and um, the actor who played Lon, like, I could just watch a show about the two of them. Yeah, I would agree with you. But ultimately, I think that the the final thought on this is that it really left me wanting more. And I'm ready for another season. I don't want to have to wait a year for it. And that, to me, says that ultimately I did enjoy it quite a lot. And I I'm really they, hoping that I get less confused and kind of more pulled in as well. I could be wrong, but I believe they filmed the second season at the same time as the first. So, so it's maybe less than a year. Yeah, I could be wrong. I could be misremembering from reading it about another show. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I found that was interesting is they've already replaced... Uh, the actor who plays Matt with someone. What? Really? Yeah. Yes. Why? I have no idea. They haven't said. Oh, I hate that. So I don't know how new Matt is going to be. I don't know if it was like an issue with the actor or if it was an issue with how the actor portrayed Matt. Um, who knows? Yeah, because this never comes out later as good news. Like, this is never like, the actor who played Matt decided to take some time off to take care of his sick mother. No, it's never yeah, that. It's, it's always no, it's, like, the actor that played Matt, you know, made gross comments to every female on set. You know, that's what exactly, always happens. Exactly, exactly. It's, like, it's like, you know, he was, or he like, he never showed up on time. And when he did, right. he had tantrums and he didn't care about anybody oh. who worked on So Matt yeah. will be replaced. Um because I got confused when I was looking on IMDb, like, cause it had the, the original actor, Matt. And then like, if you kept scrolling, it had another Matt. I go, is there, was there another Matt in the show? I'm like Matt the second. Yeah. I was like, was he like mirror Matt? I don't know. Uh, but I had, <laughs> <Mirror> Matt. <laughs> but yeah, so he will be replaced. Um, so, I mean, Amazon's gone, gone on it all in. I hope with all of the world building and storytelling, the second season makes more sense when I watch it. Yeah, Um, I might have to rewatch the first season and just, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's not Westworld confusing, but it (laughs) (laughs) is. 
Oh but it's just it's just dense. It's just a lot. Yeah, it's dense yeah. is a really good word. It's a lot. Yeah. Um all right, cool. So um we're we're, we're going long. Maybe we can was, maybe we can pick it up a little Well, I was gonna say something something that's not dense yeah. or difficult <laughs> to understand. <laughs> Okay, so our last our last movie or our last big three here is a movie, um, and it is the Matrix Resurrections, which I will say I'm super happy was free on HBO because yes. this one I kind of had. Uh, I know my husband really really enjoyed it, and there were aspects of this that I also too really enjoyed, but I. I'm kind of glad I did not go to the theaters to see this, that I got to see it at home because ultimately, you know, as the days passed after I watched it, I was kind of like, that was fine. You know, that's my ultimate kind of takeaway from it. And um, like I said, there were things that I really liked and things that I didn't. I, as, as this movie opens, you kind of feel like maybe it's going to be this super meta criticism on Mm -hmm. fans and Hollywood and the expectations of what does a sequel mean? And, and what do the actors and the directors, what do they actually owe their fans, if anything? And why is it, it's so difficult to produce things like this and live up to people's expectations and all of that kind of meta discussion of, you know, the first three, especially the first one in, in particular, were such a cultural phenomenon that obviously you're never going to live up to the fans' expectations. So and why don't we do... never, never see fight sequences like that. No, exactly. Again. So why don't we just do a commentary on that and why it's so difficult and, you know, and I appreciated all of that discussion, but then that discussion... It had a lot of buildup at the beginning, but it kind of went nowhere because Mm -hmm. it quickly morphed into a love story. And I was actually okay with the love story, but it almost felt like two different movies that got glued together. It was the meta commentary criticism of the first half and then the love story of the second half. And that felt disjointed. Does that make sense? For me, it was too meta. Like, yeah, okay, I can see that watching it at the beginning I'm like oh this is cool how are they gonna do this and then it was just like are they going to add anything to this like are they gonna add anything to the matrix lore that is right and they did with the like Mr. Uh, Agent Smith stuff and they kind of morphed Morpheus um (laughs) pun not intended but yeah go for it go Uh, for it but they did kind of add I think they did kind of add some stuff and the thing that I really liked was that they tried to make it seem like everything that Neo and Trinity did at the end of the third movie actually did have profound consequences on the way people lived in this universe it was a positive change there were robots that like defected to the other side which I thought was kind of cool Um, I liked all of that, but again, in order to have another movie, you have to have another conflict. And so of course it didn't have the, the long lasting change that maybe it should have had. Like the robots are actually still at war with the humans and they do still have humans in pods and the matrix still exists. And, you know, all of that stuff kind of felt like, well, crud. So the end of the third one really didn't work as well as it should have maybe you know so I mean I, I like like you said I'm glad I didn't pay for this mm-hmm. um 
I did love seeing Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss together. Oh, that, that that type of nostalgia is is great. Also because they may be vampires. I'm not a hundred percent sure. They look amazing. They do. It's it's almost scary. Right. Yeah. Um. So th- I mean, I loved that aspect of it. I loved the supporting cast. Uh, the character oh, bugs. Yeah. Like, That's uh, Jessica Henwick from yes. Iron Fist, who I thought would have been an amazing Iron Fist if Netflix had kept that series going and then just cast her. Well, uh, just as put, new- if Netflix hadn't screwed up the first season of Iron Fist so that it didn't get renewed. Yeah. But yeah, I there was a lot of throwbacks, like, you know, the original hotel that the original Matrix started at was there. The Merovingian made a new scene. I mean, um, you you had uh, Niobe was back, uh, still yes. played by Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, yes. You know, I mean, there were some amazing callbacks that were super nostalgic that I absolutely loved. Um I also really did love Neil Patrick Harris as a villain. Like he was really good. Um, I had no problem with him whatsoever. Do- do- Doogie Hauser. Uh, he, was, I he was frightening. He was horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, so I feel bad that this was kind of like a forced sequel, mm-hmm. you know, um, because the Wachowskis, Wachowskis, I feel like I'm saying that incorrectly. Did not direct it together. No, wasn't it just it was Lana Lana, Lana, Lana Wachowski? Yeah. yeah. So she did it, and you kind of get her, you know her feelings on this spoken through Jonathan Groff's Agent Smith, which we don't know he's Agent Smith at the time, but like they're they were going to make something regardless of her cooperation. Yeah, I kind of feel like she felt like she had to, other than if she didn't, her property would get destroyed by someone else, you know? Exactly. Which is kind of unfair. You're almost bullied into it. Right. So so for someone who had to make a movie under duress. Right. It's it's a it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. It's mixed. I -hmm. wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't tell anyone who saw the first three matrixes not to watch it. Right. I would just say it's a decent movie. If you feel like you want to see some of the nostalgia of where this went, you know, 20, 30 years later, whatever it is, this is fine. It has some good stuff in it. It's a it's a cool sci fi love story. It's got some neat meta elements. I would say the action scenes are kind of dull in comparison to some of the other Matrix movies. I mean, that, like, the second Matrix I, movie has the best car chase scene of all yeah. time in it on that highway. I, I Fight me. I don't care. That is the best car chase scene and, ever filmed. <laughs> I mean, and that's the problem. Like, the Matrix raised the bar that it took, like, you know, like you said, almost 30 years for movies to catch up. Yeah. And, it's difficult for them to add anything to it because or they to did. innovate in that same exactly. way. Exactly. You know, it's you're putting an unreasonable expectation on someone to be like, "There's another Matrix movie. This is going to elevate the cinematic experience for the next 30 years." I mean, come on, let's let's. No, because it's true. I mean, everyone knows like the red pill or the blue pill. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's iconic. Like, the yeah, sunglasses. it's like <laughs> exactly. There's like so many things about this movie that it's just like it's shorthand. In pop culture now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why it's not an enviable task 
to to do this, to have to do it no. again. Yeah. So I guess like the ultimate kind of takeaway here is she did the best she could. Mm -hmm. She got her commentary in almost like a knife in the back of whoever was, you know, trying to make her do this. Uh, there are some really good elements in here. Um, there, uh, but you're you, not you're not gonna be blown away. You, no, you know. and if you like Sensei, you're gonna be very happy to see the cast because oh, I believe yeah, yeah. all it's of like the, like ninety percent of them the all cast. Work. Yeah. Yes. So you're gonna be very excited to see them working. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're go also going to love Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss together because you can't not. I mean, no, you can't. Amazing. And there's like a genuine. You can feel like there's a genuine affection and respect between mm -hmm. them. There's there's a chemistry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Way better than Lan and Neneve in Wheel of Time. <laughs> <laughs> no comparison. But well, ultimately, it was a movie that probably didn't need to be made. It's it's out there. It's fine. I enjoyed it. I'm glad that it was on HBO, but it's kind of sad that she was kind of her hand was forced a little bit. Yeah. All right. So I think we can move through the last three, maybe a little bit more quickly. Yes, we'll, um, we'll try to speed it up. This is what happens when we don't get a chance to talk during the holidays. But I know, but right? Beyond the, hey, happy, you know, happy new year, Merry Christmas stuff. This right, is I know. People. It's, been, it's been like three weeks since we've yeah. talked to each other. And this is it. You guys now have to suffer. Everyone exactly. has to suffer. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's get to our three questions to ponder. Um, the first one is about something that we kind of, kind of, sort of reviewed, but um, I want to talk about the ending a little bit. So we have a question here. And the question is, how much future setup did Hawkeye actually have? And for those of you who have seen the end of Hawkeye, you know, this was sort of like a Christmas spectacular that Disney put on. And it it was it was fine. It it definitely ratcheted it up towards the end. The first couple of episodes I thought were pretty horrible, and then it, mm -hmm. and the sense and then Florence Pugh showed up, and everything was great. Florence <laughs> Pugh makes everything better, including. Oh, can I just say I was laughing, and I didn't even mean to laugh so hard at the elevator sequence where she where <laughs> <laughs> she kept stopping Kate Bishop from pressing the buttons. Yes, and then Kate pressed all the buttons, and she yeah. was like, "That is so annoying." <laughs> yeah, so. That, that is, and I will tell you, I made, I didn't made, but I told Chris to get through the first few episodes and he would be fine. And mm -hmm. he did. It was a slog, but he said he was happy he did it because I, we were, oh, do you have your music? Cause we were right. Oh, um, let me find it. I'll play it in a second, but yeah, keep going. But yes, we, we were right. There were, uh, I think there are definitely a few people who are going to like, watch the first couple of episodes of this and be like, this is garbage. I'm out. But you really mm -hmm. got to push through at least the first three. Wait for Florence to show up. Yes. Everything gets better. Okay, here we you know go. What? I think I got it. We were right. <laughs> there we go. Well, and it's like, you know, like <laughs> 90s super group, Wilson Phillips said, hold on. Just hold <laughs> oh, on. <God>. <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing song it did you really my, did I you love really them. i love them okay it's such an inspirational song you're cut um, off now okay <laughs> it's now tv show <laughs> no but yeah no and so for for the hour and a half in we finally lost it we're done <laughs> yep we're done um, so so let's get to the question to actually ponder here yes. um it was a good ending i think that it had a ton of setup for future shows, like maybe more than it should have. 
Um, and I got to dance around this a little bit because. I th- well, I mean, I think we can I got to dance around this because you haven't seen Spider-Man. No, that's right. Because of you, COVID. Th- there's some stuff in Hawkeye that actually, I think, connects to some stuff in Spider-Man. Well, because I read an article, and you you don't have to confirm or deny, but Vincent D'Onofrio wouldn't answer if uh, Kingpin was the same Kingpin from Daredevil. Well, he did answer. Yes, he, oh, he yes. basically said he thought it was the same. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there were some people who said that he was more powerful in this show than he was in Daredevil, but then he pointed out himself. Do you remember when I was throwing Daredevil around and like, yeah, seeing, yeah and that apartment? Yeah. yeah, and I was like pretty he was pretty buff in daredevil as well and there was this one scene that still sticks with me where he killed somebody with a car door holy cow that was cool but yeah i don't i didn't that didn't bother me at all um what i'm seeing here is is echo actually oh she's cool yeah now echo is a fairly new character in the comics we've kind of talked about her a little bit before but where i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe I, I have no con- I have no confirmation of this, but where Echo appears in the comics is in Daredevil stuff. Oh. Now, Echo has been confirmed by Disney to have her own show. And at first I was like, dude, what is this? Is this Agatha all along again? Do we need this? What is this crud? Hmm. Um, but then I thought, what if this is a red herring? What if quote unquote echo has her own show means we're going to do daredevil. Right. Because Netflix does not have it anymore. And we already have Vincent D'Onofrio back in the Marvel universe. This is a half a step away from everyone else coming back. And Charlie Cox, who played Daredevil, you beautiful, beautiful man has always said, let's get back into it. He has always said that he wants to play Daredevil again. Mm-hmm. And until you see Spider-Man, I'm going to leave it at that. And okay. everybody else who's listening to this who's seen Spider-Man is silently screaming at their radios but or their phones. But because they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and Lynn doesn't. <laughs> no, but uh, my prediction is that that Disney is making a Daredevil show with Echo in it and D'Onofrio and hopefully other people. And that their their announcement that Echo has her own show is a red herring. It's 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 technically the truth, but not the real truth. That's my prediction. Okay. So we'll see if I'm right or not. Okay. All right. And then you can come back and yell at me once you've seen Spider Man about the many things that are in Spider Man that are worth yelling about, as there are many. <laughs> um. Okay. So the other thing that we both kind of got into, at least I got into it in a way that I didn't think I was going to get into, was Encanto. Uh, this is like a this is a phenomenon right now. And right. so my second of the three questions to ponder, Alin, is which Encanto song is the best? Because Lin-Manuel Miranda was on freaking point here. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Apparently so. What I, did you like? So I'm going to be, I guess you could say, almost lame because I had no idea what this movie was about. No, me neither. I walked in. I'll tell you the reason why I watched it in the first place. The reason why I watched Encanto was I read an article where somebody wrote about how Disney made a movie about what it feels like to be autistic in a family where you're the only autistic member. And I thought, what? They made a movie about autism? That can't be right. But the article was about how this 
this young girl is so mistreated, even by accident, you know, by her own family members, that it, it actually mirrors the feelings and the experience of a person who's autism in a family where you're the only autistic person. And I thought that was a real interesting take on this movie, and it made me want to watch it, but I had no idea what the movie was about. Now uh, now I'm looking at the movie in a completely different light. Right? It's very interesting. Yeah. I So, I mean, not knowing anything about the movie, I mean, I like the, the family madrigal. So okay. I, I'll tell well, you some trivia about that song. Okay. So apparently that was the first song they wrote. Oh, Lin-Manuel wrote. And um, he ended up writing it because nobody could keep any of the characters straight. (laughs) (laughs) It it really helped me figure out what was going on. Yep. Um, And, uh, and, and yeah, I guess, I guess they even had to make some changes to it. I don't know if it was names or powers or both, but they basically, the song evolved as the movie evolved because they had to keep uh keep everybody straight but that was the first one that he wrote for for the crew and himself more than anything (laughs) i and like i'm not i i cannot dance i cannot sing i don't have any of those abilities but i found myself tapping my toe at like every single song wishing that that i had some sort of uh, rhythm that the family madrigal song was very fast too and yes. apparently the most difficult one to sing because of the speed and the amount of lyrics that have to be sung so quickly oh wow um, okay yeah. uh so yeah that was a tough one um my favorite one was we don't talk about bruno i was gonna say that's <laughs> closely followed by yeah <laughs> I, I, but i will say that i also really liked surface pressure and it was really hard for me to decide between we don't talk about bruno and then I think Louisa was the one who sang Surface Pressure. Yes, who pressure. sang Surface Pressure, yeah. Yeah, those were probably my two favorites. Um, but ultimate, and, and Lin-Manuel wrote Surface Pressure for his older sister, who he said, I think she was six years older than him, and his family put a lot of responsibilities on her to take care of the younger children. And he didn't realize that when he was a child, he only figured it out later in life, how much pressure she actually had on her that, you know, he thinks was kind of a bit unfair in many ways. Mm. Um, and so he wrote that song for her. So lots of good music in Encanto. It is Lin-Manuel Miranda is his first top 10 Billboard um, song was We Don't Talk About Bruno. And I think the <laughs> album is also in the top 10 as well. So it's it's doing very well for him. Um, and I'm I'm happy for him. I I, I think he... I think he does stuff with music that really revitalizes um, the genres uh, that he works with. And uh, I mean, we said that the best part about Vivo was the music, right? So. Right. And I just want to say, like, kudos to him for creating a story that, like, takes place in Colombia. And there yeah. is not, you know, there is not one, you know, white person in the movie. It's like it's it's about time that we reflect what society is. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like, you know, and I and I did see a lot of um, posts about this, but little kids are excited that they're seeing people who look like them on TV. Yeah. So because Encanto is available for streaming, it's in movie theaters, but they're like, that looks like me. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. Representation is so important for little kids. And I just also think- the first main lead Disney character with glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just I like that aspect that, you know, not everything has to be, you know, Cinderella, Snow White, you know, you know, it's it's good to. And I also like the fact and I I read 
people didn't like this fact, but I liked it that there wasn't a villain. There's not yeah. some big bad. No, this is just a story about family and yeah. love and how how you overcome family drama and family conflict. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was bawling my eyes out at the end of this. Um, it, it was a really beautifully told story. It had the the Disney princess of it was the sister with the flowers. I can't remember her name. I know now. I can't. But and she was terribly unhappy. Yes, extremely unhappy and didn't want to get married. And then you had the other sister who was so muscular. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, lady. They had to fight you. for that. Yeah, I guess they, they had did. to fight for that. Mm-hmm. And good good fight to win. I thought that was really good. Um, it's a great movie. I just think everyone should see it, regardless if you have kids or not. If you do have kids, just put them in front of this thing. And yeah. they're going to sing the songs for weeks. Uh, and like I said, it's a movie you maybe wouldn't have gone to the theaters to see it. But because it exists on uh, Disney Plus, it's like, well, I've been hearing good things about this. Let mm-hmm. me watch it. Yep. Yep. And and definitely worth a watch. Worth maybe more than one watch. You know, it's it's just really, really good. But but yes, wanted to make sure we worked Encanto in. So it is official. Alin thinks the best song is The Family <laughs> Madrigal. And I think it's We Don't Talk About Bruno. <laughs> See, I'm like popping my shoulder at it. Like, I I need to listen to the soundtrack. Yeah. No, we we have a couple times already, too. And it, it holds up without the movie. It does. All right. Last but not least, this one's going to um, lean heavily on you, my dear. Uh, yes. The third question to ponder, you brought it up after watching Nicole uh, be, Kidman. Yes, Being the Ricardos. Yes. So you watched Being the Ricardos, and you said to me, do actors in biopics have to resemble their biographical roles? Because basically, you don't think Nicole Kidman looked anything like Lucy. Absolutely nothing like her. And it distracted you. Yes, it took it took a long time for me to get into the movie. And it was because even even Javier Bardem didn't look or sound like Desi Arnaz. Now, I know, like, I Love Lucy was, like, way before I was born. But once again, Nick at Night, I would watch these old episodes. Oh, yeah. And there's a physicality that you're used to with Lucille Ball and Denny Arnaz and facial expressions. And I feel as though they did not try to do any of that. Like, they watched no footage whatsoever. Of it, but then on the other hand, it takes place outside the realm. Like, yes, I love Lucy. Um, it revolves around shooting an episode, an infamous episode, where they are trying to figure out how to tell America that Lucy is pregnant because you couldn't say pregnant on TV, and you oh couldn't boy. show. I know, and you couldn't show two married people being in the same bed. Oh yeah, they had those two side by side beds. Yeah. yeah, so it was like, you know, they're trying to figure out how to write that into the show. And I didn't realize that Lucille Ball was accused of being a communist, and it wasn't so much an accusation, she was a communist. Oh, she was didn't this during the Red Scare? Yes. Yeah. Wow. So like she wasn't actively involved, but like you know when you have to check off what party you're affiliated with, she ch- yeah. she checked that off, and it was like a huge deal. So I don't know what Lucy and Desi were like off screen, but it was just really jarring for me to try to 
get into it. And they tried to do prosthetics and it didn't work. The, the overall story was very interesting. I, I mm-hmm. liked it. I, I always like learning thing about things that I don't know, but it's like they didn't look anything like anything like. And I'm not saying that ev- it has to be a perfect you know, sometimes it's not going to be perfect. No one but is we've ever. Had plenty of biopics where people have looked enough like their subjects that it wasn't a distraction. Yeah, and this this was just just not it. Like there there was not enough of a resemblance or trying to adapt any of the mannerisms. It took me out of the movie, and mm-hmm. it was so bad that I looked like I was looking up. I'm like, okay, so Lucia Ball was five seven. I'm like Nicole Kidman's five eleven. It was something where I was just going back in fourth trying to figure out how they could possibly think that this would work and Kate Blanchett was originally supposed to play Lucy but she had to bow out for whatever mm-hmm. reason and I'm like maybe Kate would have done a better job at embodying the the physicality mm-hmm. of it but for me it took me out of the movie um there has to be some sort of resemblance or some sort of like interpretation uh, and the other big problem, I think, is like a lot of the times when you watch, you know, biographies, you know what people look like. But with Lucy and Desi, you know what they look like. You know what they sounded like. Mm-hmm. You know how they would move. So I think that's the thing that I found. There was enough footage that there should have been more of a resemblance. Right. That was that was like just my my biggest problem. It's like I agree with you. I mean, I think that we've seen plenty of people, you know, and we we were looking at lists too, yes. you and I, of of actors who looked like the people they played, and there are so many of them that are just really really good that you there's almost no excuse now, you know. Um, I get if you want Nicole Kidman to act in a movie that you're writing or that you're doing, that's great, but if the movie is based on somebody else's life, I do think there is a little bit that you owe the audience there to try and get that person to really embody the person who they're portraying on screen. Like lo- looking back at, um, you know, Fred, sorry, ooh, uh, Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers. Everyone knows what Mr. Rogers looks and sounds like. Is it a dead on? Not really, but he embodied his voice. He sounded like Mr. Rogers. He moved like Mr. Rogers. So he at so, least tried. Yeah, it, it, it's like a different thing. It wasn't Tom Hanks wearing a red cardigan, where here it's Nicole Kidman wearing a red wig. Right, right. So that's why I, I was going back to the Golden Globes. I was a little surprised just because I didn't think her, the, the movie was well written, well shot. Um, it was written by Aaron Sorkin. So it's a very snark sharp snazzy movie but it just took I really had to be like stop thinking about it stop looking at pictures of Lucille Ball Mm -hmm. stop trying to make this happen so yeah I get it all right any final thoughts I don't have any final thoughts I'm just glad we this is our I I did remember it's our 22nd episode to kick off the year of our lord 2022 yep and uh, yeah, we've got some we've got some good stuff coming up. Yeah, good stuff coming. Yep, for sure. Let's try to work in more games and books this year as much as we can. Yes, I, I just finished reading a very cool book. It came out at the end of uh, 2021. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know how we're counting these things. 
whatever. It's our yeah, podcast. I know. We do what we want. <laughs> it was a really cool book, but yeah, yep. I think so. Okay. So as always, our lovely peoples, please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and please find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, search for Three Speech, and look for the bears. Um, this week is Geralt. <laughs> which is probably one of my favorite ones it ever. is it is and only only uh you know henry cavill can make grunting and acting as an you know an action like or to like convey, a one word swear yeah to like convey emotion yep yeah but, weirdly though that mirrors the guy in the games his portrayal oh. is yeah he it is really based on the voice actor who plays Geralt in the games and it is like spot on it's pretty cool so you can tell he's played those games. Henry, we love you. Uh, <laughs> and that, I guess I guess that's our thing. We love you, Henry Cavill. We do. Can't can't help myself. Um, well, thank you again for listening. And we will see you next time where we're probably going to do some Expanse and Boba Fett. And we hope that everyone has a lovely couple of weeks until we see you again. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.